Hello. You are listening to the Grieving Parents Sharing Hope podcast. We are here to walk with parents on their unwanted journey of child loss, guiding them to a place of hope, light, and purpose, not in spite of their child's death, but as a way to honor his or her life. And now, here is your host, author, speaker, and bereaved parent, Laura Deal. Hi. Welcome to episode 45. This is part two of my talk with Marcella Johnson. If you didn't hear last week's discussion, I really hope you go back and listen because we talked about so much more than just the death of her son, including things like finding God's presence when our child dies, why we as moms feel something deeper than most others when our child leaves this earth, and even how God validates in the Bible that the death of one's child really is one of the worst things that can happen to us here on this earth. So to remind those who heard that episode, Marcella had just shared about the death of her son George, who died in her arms 15 minutes after birth. She had a literal pain in her heart that wouldn't go away. I think a lot of us can relate to that. And the doctor told her it was all part of the har- the hormones of losing a baby. Marcella also had an aching in her arms that wouldn't go away, a literal aching. And one day while at the cemetery with her dad, when he handed her a terracotta pot to take home, something very strange happened. And that's where we're going to jump back in today as Marcella shares what happened and what that led to in her life. When my father handed me this pot of flowers, and the reason that I told you was that I really wasn't interested because it wasn't like I had anything in mind. I was reluctant, I didn't care about it. But the moment that I got that terracotta pot in my arms, immediately, immediately that aching in my heart and then my arms went away. And if you think about it, I was holding that pot, which probably weighed about five or six pounds, in my arms and was pressing it against my chest. You were cradling. So, exactly. And I didn't think about that. I didn't put all those pieces together then, but I had a marked immediate response. And I thought it was very weird and I, like, now I know I'm going crazy. <laughs> now I know I'm nuts though, because this cold, hard pot is totally giving me comfort. Hmm. And I didn't say anything to my dad, uh, but I went home and I found myself not wanting to put that pot down. And then I was like, oh Lord. And my sister told me she remembers me calling her and saying, Martina, this is the craziest thing. I, I, I am holding on to this terracotta pot and I it's giving me comfort and I am kind of scared because this is so weird I don't know what's going on here and um so then as I told you I was I was trying to read all these books to try to expedite my grief which I'd like to make a sidebar and say that now I realize and anyone who works in the grief field knows that there's no way to expedite grief it has its own timetable and every person is different Mm -hmm. so Reading the books didn't expedite it, but it did give me some further information and and awareness. And one of the things that was so helpful to me was that I kept reading about women who, after they lost a child, sought out weighted objects to hold to give them comfort, just like me. And the first person I read about was a woman who um, was carrying around a five-pound sack of flour, 
Um, and if you think about that, that's about the right size and weight of a baby, right? And then the second one was I read about a woman who was carrying around a pillow. And it, it was like more like a uh, throw pillow kind of thing, mm-hmm. but she felt that it wasn't heavy enough. So she took rope and wrapped it all around the pillow to give it heft. And then the last one that I read about, it really broke my heart further and made me feel like, wow, somebody needs to do something about this. And that was a story about a woman who, it was her very first child, and she was so excited. She was young. She and her husband had been recently married, and they moved into a home, and she was so excited. She decorated the nursery, and, you know, as we all do when we're expecting a baby, we're so excited, and you're kind of nesting and prepping Mm -hmm. everything. Unfortunately, um, she went into labor early, and... Um, her baby was so premature that it didn't survive. And um, she left the hospital and she came home to that empty nursery. She then left her home and she went to the grocery store and she found a pineapple, the exact length and weight of her baby. And she brought it back into the nursery and she took one of the blankets that she had intended for her baby and she wrapped up the pineapple in the baby's blanket she sat in the rocking chair and she rocked her pineapple mm. in her baby's blanket. Mm. And I thought if anyone walked in on this woman, having known she just lost a child and there she is in the nursery rocking a pineapple in her baby's blanket, I think most people would say that woman is having a mental breakdown and she needs to be helped. And that's what I would have thought too, had it not happened to me. Mm. But once I had it happen to me, I realized this woman is not crazy. I think this woman is the opposite of crazy. This Mm. woman is desperately trying to make herself better. And this is filling that gap for her. And she's trying to heal herself. And I thought, oh my gosh, if it's happening to her, and it's happening to these other women, and it happened to me, then someone should do something about this. And as I was thinking about this, I was in my home, and it was just a week at, week or so after the funeral, and um, people, when they went to the funeral, everyone brought a stuffed animal to donate to the children's hospital that um, where the neonatologist was that had helped me. And I thought, well, we'll donate these, hosp- these um, sweet little stuffed animals to the hospital in my son's name. Mm -hmm. And I looked over and there was this big pile of teddy bears and bunnies and giraffes and doggies and all those cute little variety of stuffed animals. There was also a beanie baby. You remember Mm -hmm. beanie babies? Yeah, yeah. 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 In 1999, we had had five kids. Of course I know beanie babies. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You went through that crazy with us. Yeah, I stood in line hours Mm. to get, I don't know which bear, but yeah. So there was a beanie baby there and I thought, oh my gosh, that's it. What about like an oversized beanie baby, you know, that would give heft. And the the other thing that I thought was I wanted this to be something that would be a therapeutic to the woman, but that if anyone else saw it, no one else would know what it was. Hmm. So that she, when she was alone in her home, she could pick this up and she could rock it or wrap it up in a blanket or whatever she wanted to do with it. 
My other thought was, I want this to be something that's given to women before they leave the hospital. Mm. One of the hardest times for me was leaving the hospital mm. empty handed. Yeah. And unfortunately, and this is 20 years ago and the protocol and the awareness has changed so much in 20 years. And I'm so grateful for that. But at the time the awareness wasn't there. And so when I gave birth to my child, after the delivery, they put me on the fourth floor, which is with women who had had, you know, female surgeries, hysterectomies and oh. you know, any, any of the female kind of oh. issues. Uh-huh. Like, and anyhow, so when it was time to go, by law, you cannot walk out of hospital. Mm-hmm. That's the way it is in California. Is it mm-hmm. like that in Wisconsin yeah. too? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. So my husband trying to be kind, and I thought it was wonderful, was he picked up everything. He just took my purse. He took any kind of flower that we got or whatever it was. He carried, gathered that all up, brought it to the car. So when, when um, he pulled up, it would just be me getting into the car. So, but what happened was this young orderly came, uh, picked me up on the fourth floor, pulled me into the elevator backwards so that Uh I was facing the front door. So what happened though, was we were on the fourth floor, you go down to the third floor, which is labor and delivery. Uh The elevator's open and there's another orderly pushing a woman with a bouquet of balloons and flowers and a beautiful baby in her arms. And they pushed her in right next to me. So we're sitting right next to each other. And I just wanted to die. I mean, Mm -hmm. there's this, and I didn't begrudge that woman anything. I mean, I I was lucky enough to have three other children myself, but the contrast was so great. It was Mm -hmm. so jarring and painful. And of course, I was like, okay, you know, don't just stand there and just stare. You've got to say something. So of course I was just like, oh my gosh, congratulations. What's your baby's name? And isn't he beautiful? And all the way down, I was talking to her and they wheeled us out together. So I was talking to her all the way out too. But inside, I was just, I was just dying. But what even made it worse was her husband pulled up against, you know, the sidewalk and up to the sidewalk. And then my husband pulled up behind him and her husband God love them. They were so excited. He jumps out of the car. He's got his video camera and Mm. he's like, wave to the camera. And, you know, they're waving and they're as excited as they should have been. Mm -hmm. But I saw my husband come out of the car and I saw him see them. The look on his face and the disappointment and sadness just Mm. broke my heart all over again. And of course you have feelings of, oh my God, I failed. I didn't bring home a baby um you know i I just Mm. but you know it's one thing when you're feeling pain but to look at someone you love in pain too Mm -hmm. so it just 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 doubled everything all over again and that's when i was like you know what i had nothing to hold in my arms nothing to i didn't even have a cup or anything i just felt so vulnerable and naked and if i had something me to hold on to it would have helped with that pain yeah. And um, it just so it, it emphasized your emptiness. Absolutely. Yep, it did. And after that, I went to Matt and I was like, you know what, Matt, I want to make sure that no woman in San Diego would ever have to leave the hospital the way I did with no, nothing to hold. And when I, when I got the idea to create this weighted therapeutic teddy bear while I was standing in my living room, and I was thinking, oh my gosh, somebody should invent that. Maybe a doctor, a nurse, God, mm-hmm. who... 
who do you have in mind? Who, who could do this? And I heard a male's voice say to me, you should make that bear. Huh. And it was very authoritative, but very gentle. I felt called to try to do that. And I remember thinking, okay, I have no idea how to do that, but I hear you and I promise you I will try. Hmm. And so I went to the precursor of uh, Build-A-Bear Workshop, which are all over the United oh, States yeah, now. Yeah. But that original concept started in San Francisco with a store called the Basic Brown Bear Factory. And they had opened one satellite office in San Diego. And so I went down there and I explained my situation to the manager, who was this darling guy. And I told him about wanting to create a bear that had weight to it. And of course, it was the height of Beanie Babies. And he said, you know what? I tried to make a Beanie Baby myself for my grandmother, a little small one. But we could do the same thing with a big, with a big shell. Why don't you meet me after hours? And what, uh, what he said that he did was he filled the teddy bear's shell with split peas. So huh. he told me to buy, I don't know how many pounds, but I just went to the grocery <laughs> store and I emptied the shelf. I put every single, I must have like 20 pounds of split peas um, in the basket. And, uh, you know, anyhow, so I met him after hours. George had weighed six pounds, seven ounces. So we took six pounds, seven ounces worth of split peas and we put it into the shell of a bear. Yeah. And then we put stuffing in and we sewed it up. When we put it in our arms, it felt so awkward because it, it was unsupported weight. And when something is unsupported, it, 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 it almost doubled the weight. It felt like I was carrying 12 or 13 pounds. It felt very mm. awkward. So then we made a smaller bear, but it was too small. And then we came to the bear that we felt felt like you were holding five or six pounds in your arms. Oh, this sounds and like Goldilocks. This bear is know, too big. This bear is too small. This bear is just right. Right, right. And so um, we made a prototype together and um, I brought it over to hospice and I told the um, social worker there, I said, listen, I read about this in a book. I came up with this idea. Am I crazy? Have I lost my mind? I just, I just, what do you think? And she said, I think it's a great idea. And we have other families that have lost children. Can you make 12, a dozen Ooh. more? That's like, wow. Okay. So I went back and I made a, you know, 10 to 12 more. I can't remember what she told me to make. And then I went to children's hospital and I was like, what do you think of this idea? And they're like, we think this is great. Can you make a dozen more? And I was like, okay. And by the way, I was making these all by hand. I was stuffing them with split peas and then filling them with stuffing and then sewing them up and adding a purple bow. Wow. And, um, and then I went to Mary Birch hospital and they asked me for more. So now I was like, oh my goodness. So I had to recruit all my girlfriends and hmm. we did, um, we had several afternoons of making bears and I used to, um, I want to tell you about the purple bow because what went through my mind was, okay, uh, I'm a limited budget here. I don't think that I can make pink and pink bears and I can't make blue bears. And so what kind of a bow could I put on the baby that would be gender neutral? And I thought, well, if you take pink and blue, red and blue, and you put them together, you get purple. Mm -hmm. And also, um, as Christians, purple is the color of royalty yes. and Jesus, a symbol of Jesus. And so that was to myself as like, I was so grateful to God. Um, and I knew that this was a project that he and I 
we're working on together. So I put the purple bow on and then I used to handwrite a note to every woman. And so the letter, and this is off the top of my head, but it just said, um, dear friend, I am so very sorry for your loss. I too lost my precious baby. My heart hurt so much and my arms felt so empty. I know that there are no gifts that could be given or words spoken that could take away the deep pain you may be feeling. My hope is that in some small way, this will bring a little bit of comfort to your arms with love, a fellow mom. And the reason that I signed it with love, a fellow mom was because I know that when I miscarried in my first pregnancy, and I know many women who do not have children and then their baby dies, they wonder if they are still a mother. Uh And I was trying to send a signal to them that, Yes, you are a mother and you will always be a mother. Yes. And for me, I would say you are the mother of an angel. Your baby is in heaven and you will meet them one day. And also I wanted it to be anonymous as a fellow mom because I wanted this to cut across all races and any kind of barrier. Mm-hmm. Yes. Even would you, just that. I felt that God called this or to do to be given to all women, regardless of mm-hmm. what their background as is an act anything. of love, as yes. an act of love, absolutely. And I do believe that the way that some people respond to this cub has blown me away, and it is so it touches them so much great greater than anything I ever could have conceived. That I know that it is not for me. I know that that is from from the Lord. I want to tell you that, you know, it doesn't speak to everybody, but for the people that that do connect with it, they connect with it in a very significant way. And I, that just makes me know that it's the love of God that they're feeling. And, Mm -hmm. um, but I wanted to go back to the, that woman say she's, she's Chinese or she's African American or she's Indian or whatever she is. I wanted her to envision a fellow mom, someone who looked just like her so Mm -hmm. that she could, she wouldn't feel alone, that she would know that she wasn't. I mean, I know I felt absolutely alone and absolutely crazy. And um, I wanted to validate the feelings that she would be having and letting her know moving forward that on Mother's Day, if she's in church and they uh-huh. say, can all mothers please stand up? <laughs> that she has stand every right to stand up, up with everybody yes. else. If you can make it to church on Mother's Day. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> it's okay if you can't even go there knowing that's going to happen. <laughs> oh, yes. I know. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. no. I mean, it's just our life now. I mean, people, that's one thing people don't think about. It's like Mother's Day. Well, I don't want to go to church because it's like I already, it's Mother's Day. I'm already remembering I'm missing a child, much less having to stand up in church or be given a rose. I mean, it's hard. It's just, it's one of the hardest days of the year, I think, for us moms, along with, you know, the birthday, the anniversary death date. I think Mother's Day for a lot of moms, they'd say that's that's one of the top days. It's so hard um, because of that. And it's that mm-hmm. whole confusion and, you know, yes, you are still a mom, but it's yeah. also the reminder of, I'm not going to get a hug. I'm not going to get a card. I'm not going to get a kiss. I mean, that's hard. It's hard. Oh, it, it- Absolutely. It is hard. And so that's why we, uh, Mother's Day is, I joke that it's like our Super Bowl of the year because it's, (laughs) that's the day that we really make a push to get the Comfort Cubs out. And one thing I'd like to say, Laura, is that the Comfort Cub is a nonprofit organization and we provide these Comfort Cubs for free to any woman who has lost a child of any age. 
All they have to do is to contact us at our website. Go ahead and give it. Yeah, please do. And our website is www.thecomfortcub.org. And so it's thecomfortcub.org. And we have a um, connect with us section. Just write, send us a message and just say, hey, I, I heard about the Comfort Cub on this wonderful podcast, um, GPS with Laura Deal. And I would like to get a Comfort Cub. And we're going to ask you just a couple of questions about your loss and such, just to, just to, you know, just to learn a little bit more about your story. And then we will send you a Comfort Cub. And um, we, we are nonprofit, so we can only send out as many cubs as we have funding for. But I promise you that if they contact us and reach out to us, um, if we don't have the funding, then we will put them on a waiting list and they will get a cub as soon as we have the money. And I'll just I'll just say from my end that if you can afford to buy one, please purchase it so that someone who can't afford it can be given and gifted the comfort cup. So, you know, I, 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 Marcel is making such a generous, beautiful offer, but I also want to, you know, just be aware because there are some moms who really, really cannot buy that. And so if, if you can, I'll ask you to, you know, see what the cost is. And if you can afford it, then buy it so that someone else who really needs it, it can be gifted to them. And this is now, it's like a manufactured thing. They're beautiful. Yeah. They're wonderful. It, they're just, oh my goodness. I was going to ask you, you know, to give at least one story, but I know you have dozens and dozens and dozens of stories of moms who it's been life changing for them in the healing process. I want to tell you this one story is that there was a woman who told us that the comfort cub saved her life. And that sounds like an exaggeration, but after meeting the woman and hearing her story, I believe that is absolutely true. She was a young woman. I don't think she was married, but she did have a two-year-old child, little boy. And when her second son, his name was Isaiah, died, she told me that she felt like she didn't want to live anymore, even though she loved her first child. Mm -hmm. And I understand that. Your grief mm -hmm. is so yes. unbelievably great. Yes. Um, it's almost frightening. So she said that when she got the comfort cub, immediately there was a bond and she and her son shared the cub mm. because he was expecting a little brother to come home. Yeah. And but they both took turns sleeping with the cub. And she said that between the two of them, and especially him as the little baby child, he would take the comfort cub by its arm and drag it around. Oh. So <laughs> the poor bear ended up being so beat up. She said it looked like a velveteen rabbit. Yes, yes, yes. Horrible, but it is greatly mm. loved. And so she went out and she got a tattoo of the comfort cup. Oh my word. Put on, I know, uh, wow. someone tattooed a comfort cup on their back, but in the form of a velveteen rabbit because it was looking very oh, beat up. That's wow. the way it kind of looked. And she wrote her baby's name above it and date. And to me, if someone's willing to go mm -hmm. or they're deeply, so deeply affected that they want to, Print this yes. on your body. I mean, to me, that was the ultimate, like, oh my goodness, this really wow. touched you. Mm. And that's nothing that I did. Um, and that healing that and the love that it provided, 
I feel like I'm just a vessel or a steward. I guess yes. I'm a steward of this cub. I believe that he has a life of his own and the Lord wants him to be used to help many people. And I believe that it's his love that they feel. And I also do think that there's something about a mother who loses a child reaching out to help another mother. Yes. Don't you agree that? That's oh, a, definitely. That there's a is, healing that goes through that too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And there is a bond. I mean, I have met people that, we have absolutely nothing in common mm -hmm. because of being, you know, decent human beings, you know, but, <laughs> but man, we love each other mm -hmm. because we have that experience of having children in heaven together. And yes, yeah, you have a deep respect for someone else who has been through what we've been through. Mm -hmm. And it, the whole comfort cub, it's bigger than you. Yep. And oh, it just oh, feels so humbling to feel like God, that you would trust me with this. Yes. And in fact, yes. sometimes I think it's like, oh my goodness, I'm not up to the task, Lord. I don't mm -hmm. know how to do this. I didn't. And I, I, have, I still continue to fumble around figuring out any, any good thing that's come out of this is not for me. Seriously. Yep. I am so not, you know, uh, nothing special. Well, I'm going to encourage people to connect on your Facebook page. Is that probably the best way or your website? You've got stories yep. on your website your Facebook page? What is your, right, how do they get to your right. Facebook page? Um, yeah, the Facebook page, we're also on Instagram and it's just the comfort cub is our handle. Thank you so much for mentioning that donations are so much appreciated. Basically every time a woman purchases a cub and they retail for $49.99, a great portion of that goes to providing a comfort cub to a woman in need. And so it's like you're buying one for your well, we, we'd mm -hmm. never sell one to a woman who's buying it. She would have to make a donation. Yeah. Um, if she, if she felt like she wanted to do that. And like I said, we would be so grateful, but also the comfort cup makes a wonderful gift for someone who has lost a child. Mm -hmm. And, you know, instead of sending flowers, which we all love, but flowers fade mm -hmm. and a comfort cup is something that can be sent that actually helps the healing process. And what I wanted to tell you is that 20 years later, we didn't know why the comfort cub helped. We didn't know why that weight meant anything. But now we realize that there's something called deep touch pressure. And that was me holding that whole cold, hard terracotta pot against my chest. It, it The deep touch pressure of it against my skin causes your brain to elicit the same response as you have of giving someone a hug. Mm. And it causes your brain to release um, dopamine and serotonin and oxytocin. And that actually causes a physiological change in your body. It causes your heart rate to slow down. It causes your breathing to slow down. And it, and it produces an overall sense of, of wellness and calm. As you know, when you're in deep grief, you can experience a lot of different things. And, and my hope is that if you had given someone a comfort cub in the hospital, it might, if I had been given a comfort cub, it might have prevented my heart from mm. producing all of those, uh, forgetting what all those uh, adrenaline and mm -hmm. such, which caused my heart to experience the Takotsubo syndrome, which is actually, it mimics a heart attack. It stunned, mm -hmm. it's, yeah. it stunned my heart. Um, but because I was young and healthy and I did not have heart disease, my heart continued to beat, mm -hmm. but it had suffered symptoms of a heart attack. Yes. But that's why I had continuous pain because mm -hmm. I really had 
had a physiological manifestation mm-hmm. brought on by my acute grief. Yeah. Well, I really want to encourage the listeners to go to the website, look at this comfort hub. If you're still struggling, if you're still in that really dark place, and I think so many of us know, we can we know exactly what Marcel is talking about with that heart issue and the and just the physical things that happen that make us think we're going crazy and losing our mind. Consider getting a comfort cub. And like she said, it doesn't matter the age of the child. You could have lost your 65-year-old son and you're going to deal with this deep grief. Don't hesitate to check this out and get one for yourself. Maybe have one on hand so that if you have a friend that has a pregnancy loss or you know something like this, you have one right there to give them. They're just so, so good. So therapeutic. And uh, Marcella, thank you for talking to me. I knew this was going to be good. There's just been <laughs> so much depth in this and richness. And you have been able to help George leave a legacy by doing this. Yes. Thank you for saying that. That means a lot to me. And having had lost a child, and I know that you feel this way about Becca too, that it's like, I think a lot of people, I don't, I don't know what it is, but you have a need when something this tragic has happened to you, there is something that goes off in most people that it's like, oh my gosh, this is so awful. I do not want the next person that Uh goes through this experience to feel this deep of a pain. What can I do to help them along? Uh And that's what you have done with creating the books Uh and and talking to people and in a way it keeps the legacy of your child alive and that's a beautiful and healing thing too but just knowing that George's little life you know only being 15 minutes it doesn't matter how long he lived or if he didn't live at all his life was important and precious Mm -hmm. and there's so many people out there that have lost a loved one and they just need to know that even though they might have been the only ones to know that child, that life is important and significant and needs to be celebrated and cherished and yeah. acknowledged. There are ways to do that. So if that's where you are, you know, pray and ask God, show you. He already has something in mind. And it's just a matter of timing. One question I have, how long was it between George's death and this comfort cub, you're going to that bear factory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How well, long actually, was that? Great question. So I was in such a state of despair and the thought of the comfort cub came to me a week and a half after his funeral, something like that. And the aching in my arms started in the next, in the day or so after probably immediately. I feel like I remember it being in pain as soon as I got back from the hospital. But we really didn't get a chance to get the program off the ground for about a year. So that's why we're saying that, so that would have been, George was born in April of 1999. We'd say that the program started in April of 2000. So this year is 2020. And so it's the 20th year of the Comfort Cub. And we are wanting to do something to celebrate that significant anniversary. And we are going to do a campaign where we are calling it giving away a thousand hugs of hope. And with every cub that that we give away, we hope that people will get back to us and tell us the story of the cub and what it meant to them and why they need it. And I, I, I hope this is okay to say this, that the comfort cub started out for mothers who lose a child. But after we've realized that it has these healing properties, 
we found out that it can help in all kinds of trauma situations. And now we actually work with police departments and various, you know, fire departments and trauma intervention groups and forensic health and people who have mm-hmm. uh, are victims of domestic violence or sexual abuse. Or So the Comfort Cup can help in a lot of different ways. I just had this thought. You could, in honor of your child, go to your local hospital, your children's hospital, your police department, and work with Marcella at getting yep. Comfort Cubs in your community. And That's right. you could do that in honor of your child to help your child leave a legacy and get the comfort yes. cup going in your community. Thank you for mentioning others. that we actually want to help with that process. And we've now add a, a sticker to every single cub that goes out and they can personalize it. Mm. This cub is brought to memory oh, of, of the child. Yes. And then, yeah. And also if they do decide to do that, we will give them special pricing. Mm, so that they don't awesome. pay for retail so that they can get the word of the comfort cub out and they can they can do a special beautiful thing for their community in honor of their own child mm. well obviously marcella you and i could just talk on and on I know, I know really <laughs> but this. this has to come to an end for the sake of our listeners <laughs> so thanks yeah. marcella Well, thank you, Laura. And can I say, as a mother who's lost a child, I am so deeply grateful to you and your husband for going around the country and helping people to heal. And Laura, I love you, and you know that, but I am so happy that your husband, Dave, accompanies you because I think that, unfortunately, a lot of men do not have the opportunity to grieve. And Dave gets out there, and he steps forward as a man and says, I'm a man and it's okay. We do have these feelings too, and we need to process them also. So thank you so much to both of you. I'm really, really grateful for your work. Oh, thanks for saying that. All right. Well, love you and love all of our listeners and hang in here and we'll wrap up this podcast episode. I hope you enjoyed my talk with Marcella. I think it's obvious that she is passionate about helping grieving moms and those who have faced a deep loss or trauma in their lives, especially through the Comfort Cub. Marcella is also very generous, and she would actually like to give a Comfort Cub away to two of our listeners. She's giving away two Comfort Cubs. We're going to have a drawing for them. So if you want to be entered into the drawing, just send an email to office at gpshope.org and put in the subject line, the Comfort Cub. That's all you have to do, and then send that to us. And for those who send in an email to the office with the subject, the Comfort Cub, by midnight Pacific time on Tuesday, March 10th, that's two weeks from the day that this episode airs, we're going to be drawing two names. And you'll be informed if you were one of the winners by email on the 11th of March. I'm sorry if you're listening to this past that and you're not eligible. If you know someone who might want to be included in this drawing, please share the podcast with them so that they can hear directly from Marcella how it all started and to be encouraged by her story. Each week, we have a birthday segment where I love to share with our listeners any birthdays in the upcoming week of our children who have left this earth ahead of us. And this week, I don't have any to share. 
If you would like your son or daughter's birthday announced and celebrated with the other listeners, I would love to be able to do that. All you have to do is go to gpshope.org slash birthdays. There's a simple little form for you to fill out and submit the information of your child. And the week of their birthday, I will announce them and we will celebrate with you the day they came into this world. There are so many ways we can help our children leave a legacy. That is the series that the last several podcasts have been about. And to do that, it doesn't have to turn into something as big as the Comfort Cubs. It can be something like raising funds for an important cause. It could be as simple as connecting with another parent who's just now starting this grief journey and walk it together with them. As Marcella so beautifully said, Finding that thing helps keep your child's legacy alive, and it's beautiful and a healing thing to do. Every life is precious and significant and needs to be celebrated, cherished, and acknowledged. And I believe God will help you discover what that is if you haven't found it yet, and he'll help you find that at just the right time. I look forward to being with you again next week, and until then, remember to hold on. Pain eases. There is 